Ramayana of Valmiki, translated by Ralph T. H. Griffith, M.A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Present recording is by Raju from Burleson, Texas, United States. Ramina45 at Hotmail.com Book 1. Invocation Praise to Valmiki, bird of charming song, who mounts on Pussy's sublimest play. And sweetly sings with accent clear and strong, Rama, a eh, Rama, in his deathless lay. Where breathes a man can listen to the strain that flows in music from Valmiki's tongue, nor feel his feet the path of bliss attain when Rama's glory by the saint is sung. The stream Ramayan leaves its sacred fount, the whole wide world from Sindenstein to free. The prince of hermits is the parent mount, the lordly Rama is the darling sea. Glory to him whose fame is ever bright. Glory to him, Prichaita's holy son, whose pure lips quaffed ever new delight, the nectar sea of deeps by Rama done. Hail, arch ascetic, pious, good and kind. Hail, Saint Almighty, Lord of every lore. Hail, holy hermit, calm and pure of mind. Hail, first of bards, Almighty, hail once more. Canto 1. Narad O oh. To sainted Narad, prince of those, whose lore in words of wisdom flows, whose constant care and chief delight were scripture and ascetic rite. The good Valmiki, first and best, of hermit saints these words addressed. In all this world, I pray thee, who is virtuous, heroic, true, from his vows of grateful mind, to every creature good and kind, bounteous and holy, just and wise, alone most fair to all men's eyes, devoid of envy, firm and sage, whose tranquil soul never yields to rage. Whom, when his warrior wrath is high, do gods embattle, fear, and fly? Whose noble might and gentle skill the triple world can guard from ill? Who is the best of princes? He who loves his people good to see. The store of bliss, the living mind, where brightest joys and virtues shine. Queen fortune's best and dearest friend, whose steps her choicest gifts attend. Who may with sun and moon compare, with Indra, Vishnu, fire, and air? Grand Saint Divine, the boon I ask, for thee I ween an easy task. To whom the power is given to know, if such a man breathe here below. Then Narad clear before whose eye, the present, past and future lie. Made ready answer her mate, where are graces found so high and rare? Yet listen, and my tongue shall tell, in whom alone these virtues dwell. From old Ikshwaku's line he came, known to the world by Rama's name. With soul subdued, a chief of might, in scripture versed in glory bright. His steps in virtue's paths are bent, obedient, pure, and eloquent. In each emprise he wins success, and dying force his power confess. Tall and broad-shouldered, strong of limb, fortune has set her mark on him. Graced with a conscious triple line, his threat displays the auspicious sign. High destiny is clear impressed on massive jaw and ample chest. His mighty shafts he truly aims, and foemen in the battle tames. Deep in the muscle scarcely shown, embedded lies his collar bone. His lordly steps are firm and free, his strong arms reach below his knee. All fairest graces join to deck, his head, his brow, his stately neck. And limbs in fair proportion set, the manliest form ever fashioned yet. Graced with each high imperial mark, his skin is soft and lustrous dark. Large are his eyes that sweetly shine, with majesty almost divine. 
his plighted word he never forgets on erring sense of what she says by nature wise his teacher's skill has trained him to subdue his will good resolute and pure and strong he guards mankind from scathe and wrong and lends his aid and never in vain the cause of justice to maintain well as he studied over and over the vedas and their kindred lore well skilled he seemed the bow to draw well trained in arts and versed in law high souled and meek for happy fate most tender and compassionate the noblest of all lordly givers whom good men follow as the rivers follow the king of floods the sea so liberal so just is he the joy of queen kausalya's heart in every virtue he has part firm as himalaya's snowy steep unfathomed like the mighty deep the peer of vishnu's power and might and lovely as the lord of night patient as air but roused to ire fierce as the world destroying fire in bounty like the lord of gold and just itself is a human mold with him is best and eldest son by all his princely virtues one king dasaratha willed to share his kingdom as the regent heir but when kaikeyi youngest queen with eyes of envious hate had seen the solemn pomp and regal state prepared the prince to consecrate she bade the hapless king bestow two gifts he promised long ago that rama to the woods should flee and that her child the hat should be by chains of duty firmly tied the wretched king perforce complied rama to please kaikeyi went obedient forth to banishment then lakshman's truth was nobly shown then were his love and courage known when for his brother's sake he dared all perils and his exile shared and sita rama's darling wife loved even as he loved his life whom happy marks combined to bless a miracle of loveliness of janak's royal lineage sprung most excellent of woman clung to her dear lord like rohini rejoicing with the moon to be the king and people sad of moon the hero's car a while pursued but when prince rama lighted down at sarvera's pleasant town where ganga's holy waters flow he bade his driver turn and go guha nishada's king he met and on the farther bank was set then on from book to wood they strayed over many a stream through constant shade as bharadwaja bade them till they came to chitrakuta's hill and rama there with lakshman said a pleasant little cottage made and spent his days with sita dressed in coat of bark and deer skin vest and chitrakuta grew to be as bright with those illustrious three and meru's sacred peaks that shine with glory when the gods recline beneath them shiva's self between the lord of golden beauty's queen the aged king for rama pine and for the skies the earth resigned bharat his son refused to reign though urged by all the twice born train forth to the woods he fared to meet his brother fell before his feet and cried thy claim all men allow o come our lord and king be thou but rama nobly chose to be observant of his sire's decree he placed his sandals in his hand a pledge that he would rule the land and bade his brother turn again then bharat finding prayer was vain the sandals took and went away nor in ayodhya would he stay but turned to nandigrama where he ruled the realm with watchful care still longing eagerly to learn tidings of rama's safe return then lest the people should repeat their visit to his calm retreat away from chitrakuta's hill fared rama ever onward till 
beneath the shady trees he stood of Kandaka's primeval wood. Virada giant friend he slew, and then Agatsya's friendship knew. Counseled by him he gained the sword, and bow of Indra heavenly lord. A pair of quivers too, that bow, of arrows and exhaustless store. While there he dwelt in greenwood shade, the trembling hermit sought his aid, and bade him with his sword and bow destroy the fiends who worked them woe. To come like Indra strong and brave, a guardian god to help and save, and Rama's falchion left its trace, deep cut in Sopanaka's face. A hideous giantess who came, burning for him with lawless flame. Their sisters cries the giants heard, and vengeance in each bosom stirred. The monster of the triple head, and Dushan to the contest pet. But they and myriad friends beside, beneath the might of Rama died, when Ravan dreaded warrior knew the slaughter of his giant crew. Ravan, the king whose name of fear, earth, hell, and heaven all shook to hear. He bade the friend Maricha aid, the vengeful plot his fury laid. In vain the wise Maricha tried to turn him from his course aside. Not Ravan's self, he said, might hope, with Rama and his strength to cope. Impelled by fate and blind with rage, he came to Rama's hermitage. There by Maricha's magic art, he wild the princely youths apart. The vulture slew and bore away the wife of Rama as his prey. The son of Ragu came and found Chatayu slain upon the ground. He rushed within his leafy cord. He sought his wife but found her not. Then the hero's senses failed. In mad despair he wept and wailed. Upon the pile that bird he laid, and still in quest of Sita's trade. A hideous giant then he saw, Kabanda named a shape of awe. The monstrous friend he smote and slew, and then inflamed the body through. When straight from out of the funeral flame, in lovely form, Kabanda came, and bade him seek in his distress a wise and holy hermitess. By counsel of this saintly dame, to Pompa's pleasant flood he came, and there the steadfast friendship won, of Hanuman the wind-guard's son. Counseled by him he told his grief to great Sugriva honor chief, who, knowing all the tale before, the sacred flame alone swore. Sugriva to his new-found friend told his own story to the end. His hate of Bali for the wrong and insult he had borne so long. And Rama lent a willing ear and promised to allay his fear. Sugriva warned him of the might of Bali matchless in the fight and credence for his tale to gain, showed the huge fian by Bali slain. The prostrate corpse of mountain size seemed nothing in the hero's eyes. He lightly kicked it as it lay, and cast it twenty leagues away. To prove his might his arrows through, seven palms in line uninjured flew. He cleft a mighty hill apart, and down to hell he hurled his dart. Then high Sugriva's spirit rose, assured of conquest over his foes. With his new champion by his side, to vast Kishkinda's cave he hide. Then summoned by his awful shout, King Bali came in fury out. First comforted his trembling wife, then sought Sugriva in the strife. One shot from Rama's deadly bow, the monarch in the dust played low. Then Rama bade Sugriva reign, in place of royal Bali's slave. Then speedy invoice hurried forth, eastward and westward, south and north. Commanded by the grateful king, tidings of Rama's spouse to bring. Then by Sampati's counsel led, brave Hanuman, who mocked at dread, sprang at one wild tremendous leap, two hundred leagues across the deep. To Lanka's town he urged his way, where Ravan held his royal sway. 
There, pensive beneath Soka's boughs, he found poor Sita Rama's pose. He gave the hapless girl a ring, a token from her lord and king. A pledge from her fair hand he bore, then battered down the garden floor. Five captains of the host be slew, seven sons of counsellors overthrew. Crushed youthful Laksha on the field, then to his captors chose to yield. Soon from their bonds his limbs were free, but honouring the high decree, which Brahma had pronounced of yore, he calmly all their insults bore. The town he burnt with hostile flame, and spoke again with Rama's name. Then swiftly back to Rama flew with the tidings of the interview. Then with Sugriva for his aid, came Rama to the ocean side. He smote the sea with shafts as bright as sunbeams in their summer height, and quick appeared the river's king, obedient to the summoning. A bridge was thrown by Nala over the narrow sea from shore to shore. They crossed to Lanka's golden town, where Rama's hand smote Ravan down. Vibhishan there was left to reign over his brother's white domain. To meet her husband Sita came, but Rama stung with iron shame. With bitter words his wife addressed, before the crowd that round her pressed. But Sita, touched with noble fire, gave her fair body to the fire. Then straight the god of wind appeared, and words from heaven her honor cleared. And Rama clasped his wife again, uninjured pure from spot and stain, obedient to the lord of fire and the high mandate of his sire. Led by the lord who rules the sky, the gods and heavenly saints drew nigh, and honored him with worthy meed, rejoicing in each glorious deed. His task achieved is for remote, he triumphed by the gods approved. By grace of heaven he raised to life, the chieftain slain in mortal strife. Then in the magic chariot threw, the clouds to Nandigrama flew. Met by his faithful brothers there, he loosed his votive coil of hair. Thence for Ayodhya's town he gained, and o'er his father's kingdom reigned. Disease or famine never oppressed, his happy people richly blessed with all the joys of ample wealth, of sweet content and perfect health. No widow mourned her fell-loud mate, no sire his son's untimely fate. They feared not storm or robber's hand, no fire or flood laid waste the land. The golden age had come again to bless the days of Rama's reign. From him the great and glorious king shall many a princely Sion spring, and he shall rule beloved by men ten thousand years and an hundred ten. And when his life on earth is past, to Brahma's world shall go at last. Whoever this noble poem reads, that tells the tale of Rama's deeds, would, as the scriptures, he shall be, from every sin and blemish free. Whoever reads this saving strain, with all his kin, the heaven shall gain. Brahmans who read shall gather hence the highest price for eloquence. The warrior over the loud shall reign, the merchant luck in trade obtain. And Sudra's listening never shall fail to reap advantage from the tale. Canto two, Brahma's visit. Valmiki, graceful speaker, heard to highest admiration stir to him whose fame the tale rehearsed. He paid his mental worship first, then with his people humbly bent before the saint most eloquent. Thus honored and dismissed, the seer departed to his seventy sphere. Then from his court, Valmiki hide. To Tamasa's sequestered side, not far remote from Ganga's tide, he stood and saw the ripples roll, pellucids over the pebbly shawl. To Bharadwaja by his side, he turned in ecstasy and cried, See, people dear, this lovely sight, the smooth floor, shallow, pure and bright, 
with not a speck or shade to mar, and clear as woodmen's bosoms are. Here on the brink thy picture lay, and bring my zone of bark, I pray. Here will I bathe, the rill has not, to lave the limbs a fairer spot. No quickly, as I bid, nor waste, the precious time, away and haste. Obedient to his master's best, quick from the cot he brought the vest. The hermit took it from his hand, and tightened round his waist the band. Then duly dipped and bathed him there, and muttered low his secret prayer. To spirits and to gods he made, libation on the stream and strayed, viewing the forest deep and wide, that spread its shade on every side. Close by the bank he saw a pair of curlews sporting fearless there, but suddenly with evil mind an outcast fowler stole behind, and with a name too sure and true, the male bird near the hermit slew. The wretched hen in wild despair, with fluttering pinions beat the air, and shrieked a long and bitter cry when low on earth she saw him lie, her loud companion quivering dead, his dear wings with his life-blood breath, and for her golden-crested mate she moaned and was disconsolate. The hermit saw the slaughtered bird, and all his heart with truth was spared. The fowler's impious deeds distressed his gentle sympathetic breast, and while the curlew's sad cries rang, within his ears the hermit sang. No fame be thine for endless time, because, base outcast, of thy crime, whose cruel hand was fain to slay, one of this gentle pair at play. Even as he spoke his bosom wrought, and laboured with the wondering thought, what was the speech his ready tongue had uttered when his heart was wrung? He pondered long upon the speech, recalled the words and measured each, and thus exclaimed the saintly gate to Bharadwaja by his side with equal lines of even feet, with rhythm and time and tone complete. The measured form of words I spoke, in shock of grief be termed a slok, and Bharadwaja nothing slow, his faithful love and zeal to show. Answered these words of wisdom be, Thy name, my lord, as pleases thee. As rules prescribed, the hermit took some lustral water from the brook, but still on this his constant thought, kept brooding as his home he sought. While Bardwaja paced behind, a people sage of lowly mind, and in his hand a pitcher bore, with pure fresh water brimming o'er. Soon as they reached their calm retreat, the holy hermit took his seat, his mind from worldly cares recalled, and mused in deepest thought enthralled. Then glorious Brahma, Lord Most High, creator of the earth and sky, the four-faced god to meet the sage, came to Valmiki's hermitage. Soon as the mighty god he saw, up sprang the saint in wondering awe. Mute with clasped hands, his head he bent, and stood before him reverent. His honoured guest he greeted well, who bade him of his welfare tell. Gave water for his blessed feet, brought offerings and prepared a seat. In honoured place the god most high, sat down and bade the saint sit nigh. There sat before Valmiki's eyes, the father of the earth and skies. But still the hermit's thoughts were bent, on one thing only, all intent, on that poor Kalu's mournful fate, lamenting for her slaughtered mate, and still his lips in absent mood, the verse that told his grief renew, O oh, to the fowler's impious hand, that did the deed that folly planned, that could to needless death devote the Kalu of the tuneful throat. The heavenly father smiled in glee, and said, O oh, best of hermits, see, a verse unconscious thou hast made, 
no longer be the task delayed. Seek not to trace with labor vain the unpremeditated strain. The tuneful lines thy lips rehearse, spontaneous from thy bosom burst. Then come, O best of seers, relate the life of Rama, good and great. The tale that saintly Narad told in all its glorious length unfold. Of all the deeds Islam has done, upon his earth omit not one. And does the noble life record of that wise, brave, and virtuous lord, his every act today displayed, his secret life to none betrayed. How Lakshman, how the giants fought with high emprise and hidden thought. And all that Janak's child befell, where all could see, where none could tell. The whole of this shall truly be made known, O best of saints, to thee. In all thy poem, through my grace, no word of falsehood shall have place. Begin the story and rehearse the tale divine in charming verse. As long as in this firm set land the stream shall flow, the mountain stand, so long throughout the world be sure the great Ramayana shall endure. While the Ramayana's ancient strain shall glorious in the earth remain, to higher spheres shalt thou arise and dwell with me above the skies. He spoke and vanished into air and left all meeky wondering there. The peoples of the holy man, moved by their love of him, began to chant that verse, and even more, they marveled as they sang it all. Behold the four-lined balanced rhyme, repeated over many a time, in words that from the hermit broke, in shock of grief becomes a slope. This measure now Valmiki chose, wherein his story to compose, in hundreds of such verses, sweet with equal lines and even feet. In the saintly poet, lofty soul, the glorious deeds of Rama told. End of Invocation and Cantos 1 and 2 of Book 1